Motion Podcast with your hosts, Michael Steinberg and Andrew Hoag. Your one-stop destination for everything 3D, VR, AR, and motion graphics. Subscribe on YouTube, Instagram, and join us on Discord for the latest creative news and discussions. Oh, man. Welcome to the XR Motion Podcast, where we go over everything. Well, you heard it, because that's our new intro, huh? I guess it covers Wild. everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always have to turn my headphones down. It's like, uh, it's really, really gets yeah. you there. Uh, yeah, we definitely got to work on that little uh, adjusting the volume on that one. But, you know, exciting. Baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, How's it man, going, man? So good. Dude, I, I am just having a great week. Uh, you know, we got went to NAB. I just came back from Vegas. Um, little fun little thing you always got to remember is set set a limit that you're going to spend there because if you don't, you'll just keep spending. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and, how they get you. Uh, and don't drink. They're going to keep giving you drinks and it's a partying. <laughs> and <laughs> so, oh, my God goodness yeah i spent most of your your trip in vegas i spent here in new york uh with serious fomo um (laughs) so many people so many people out there so much cool tech so um and and actually uh the guest we have today it sounds like you guys connected while you're out there as well yeah oh a hundred percent yeah speaking of which um we'll just bring him on now we've got uh andrew who is an amazing i believe creative director correct for uh, about a few years phenomenal. art director sometimes creative director yeah <laughs> i always get them mixed up i always yeah get, um, that's fine man i i just browsing around your website i'm so excited to go uh got so many questions lined up yeah yeah well welcome to the show man how you doing thanks thanks for having me uh yeah good um same same feelings about nab actually watched more of you guys set limits and then <laughs> break them and i and i helped you break yours a little bit <laughs> lost ten dollars michael was generous enough to let me mess with ten of his dollars that was awesome so that's where we kind of like just started chatting it was great yeah yeah we were, it was pretty late one night and i was at the roulette table and uh i think i like put down like 60 bucks or something andrew sat next to me he's like what's this game i was like Here's 10 bucks. Just put it anywhere you want on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they, you know, like I like put all of our numbers on like odd and then they like rolled like a two. And I was like, well, all right, that's it. <laughs> that's how you play. You lose your money. So. I blame the woman too. She was really good at like convincing us to just keep like, she'd say, yeah, get in here, get in here. You know, like, uh, they know what they're doing. The house yeah. always wins, you know? The house always yeah. wins. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, as my dad always says, it, that's why the casinos look so nice. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't look that not yeah, nice if, from people winning. They yeah, look that if, nice if people, people were winning, lose. they wouldn't. They wouldn't be so uh, bougie. Yeah, <laughs> especially in Vegas. I feel like you know that's there's some insane uh, hotel casinos out there. Wait, where yeah. did you? Where were you guys staying? Um, uh, well, I was, yeah, we were. Were we both in MGM? Yeah, we were both yeah. in the MGM. And, yeah, yeah. Um, for anybody listening that doesn't know what NAB is, um, it is essentially a huge broad. Uh, broadcasting conference where they're bringing in all of the top technologies, um, the top cameras, the top TVs, the top, you know, and obviously Maxon was there and then all of Adobe and they had multiple um, presentations going on all day, every day. And by every day for four days straight, it was huge. I mean, I I think I walked 10 miles every single day around the conference. Yeah. (laughs) 
I couldn't even comprehend how big it was. I was like, is there that much stuff? It was wild. It was two buildings too, like two sections of two different buildings. Like you go through a little channel and there's a whole nother one, you know? Yeah, yeah, we get we get um, NAB NYC, uh, which is sort of NAB light in New York, um, yeah. which even that Javits Center fills out pretty, pretty well for. So um, I can only yeah. imagine two two separate buildings in Vegas. I don't know if I'd cover it all, but I did see some incredible yeah. tech and, you know, uh, Mikey put together a nice little recap video where he's got some, uh, you know, you on like a motorbike and doing like live camera tracking and like projection stuff. Insane. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the two cool little virtual studios they had there one i was on it looked like a tron bike uh, it was called the unreal ride so i guess it was also kind of featuring unreal engine and uh, it had almost like a movie theater screen background behind me and it had a camera just flying through this space like kind of just getting real close in your face but the whole background was adjusting based on the camera so it, it was all in real time and then Wild. It ends. Yeah, it was it was super cool. The video came out really. Che- I think I made some cheesy faces, so I was glad I got to cut it up and cut those, <laughs> <laughs> those faces out. But uh, yeah, there, there were some amazing experiences. Um, I, I had a blast there. Andrew, what did you wind up doing while you were over there? Yeah. So wait. So you were talking about the motorcycle in the front, right? Like the that yeah. the camera was. There was that or. Yeah, that I did that thing. I, yeah, I, I had saw, to wait in line for like an hour, but. Yeah, yeah. So like last. I went in 2019, like that was the last time I went before this and they all got canceled before from COVID and the last one last year, I just didn't go to because I wasn't sure yet, you know, how, how it was going to go for people. And, um, like that was kind of, that area always had something cool at, at the time. It was like those things you see everywhere now. I mean, at least in New York here, like in Times Square, that's those, those like, oh, yeah. uh, ring light cameras that spin around and it's, they spin like sing the New York song and yeah. you just kind of like look at it and you look at it again, like the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like, I guess big at the time, but then this thing, I was like, Oh shit, like full on, like, uh, you know, I mean, it, that essentially looked to me like trying out one of those, um, you know, the things they filmed the Mandalorian with like a yeah, really yeah. I was say, what's the, uh, what do they call that? I don't know. There's a term, they have a term for like it, a, a virtual studio, right? Yeah, yeah but like that, the technology where it's like it's camera tracking the environment that's being projected on the screen behind it so like as you move the camera you know you're getting actual true parallax and and all that stuff oh, what is that yeah called? it's not called like the stu this the cube but it's something like something as like simple that, yeah. as that yeah 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 because um, yeah, it, it, it's like this whole screen it was only a part of the screen was kind of following you with the camera you right. know it was um it was super interesting, like spatial videoing. I, I don't know. Yeah, there was there was that, and then there was a lot of. I mean, they were using like uh, like anchors and and weather people because there were women and men doing it yeah. as the as the main example. But there was a lot of like live green screen, and there was they were like mm-hmm. on purpose. They like messed the uh, woman's hair like up so she had flyaways, and it was live. It was live like uh, green screening those out convincingly like really well and and still repressing like suppressing which was like kind of crazy i just saw that though like 10 times <laughs> like the same people had different setups and uh, they, for uh, reference it's um so stagecraft is like the set of tools uh from industrial light and magic but they refer to it as the volume oh the volume that's yeah, what i was thinking volume, yeah. yeah yeah right which is is cool because like, yeah, yeah 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 
Um, I think I've read recently, um, there's sort of, they're starting to realize that it's good. It's really good at certain types of environments and not good at others. Like I think hmm. they thought about using it for quantum mania, um, and just the aesthetic differences between like the Mandalorian, which are these sort of vast barren landscapes and something like quantum mania, which is maybe the polar opposite of that, uh, mm. didn't translate as well. I might be getting that wrong, but, um, but it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause it's like, I saw it and I was like, you should use it for everything, but you know, just like everything, <laughs> there's a time and place for a tool. So. Yeah, I think it works well when like the main um, elements that are in it, right? So when you're like you're talking about like, landscape things, they're always like twenty feet plus back. Right. So you can't see all the details. So it's like if it was this close, like in Michael's background, you know that picture, and he steps away from the camera or whatever, like it would focus and you could see all the details of that photo. You know, it's right. like right, right, right. You need like really deep environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually in the vein of that volume thing on the one far end, I, can't, I think it was in the second space, like in the South hall, there was uh, like a truck and did you see that thing at all? And it was like a car inside of it. And that was a volume. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the idea was you roll that thing wherever you want, like up to a set, the front drops off the crew's sitting there. And then, you know, you, you set cameras in there and the background plays, and then they've been driving around collecting all the, footage for it so you can look like you're I didn't even realize it was in a truck so it was like a volumetric like capture that was just yeah portable like yeah like, yeah hey, we'll wild. come to your party or we'll uh yeah you want to film a movie real quick over here yeah it was like it was like maybe the size just slightly smaller than like a wide load truck like it looked like it wouldn't be that cumbersome on the highway and then we were kind of hanging out over it and and it was like uh, me and dave weinstock and uh, my friend tom that i was hanging out with and we were like uh no um his last name starts with a b it's i uh, actually i think it's Bourge. i'm gonna butcher it and i'm sorry tom it's bourgeois or Bourget. <laughs> it's french but um he we were all standing there and we were like talking about it. We're like that's cool that's cool and this guy comes up and he's like we got, you guys want to you want to see the cameras out back? <laughs> he just kind of like, we're like, what? And he just, he starts walking outside because it was right by like the wall and there were doors there and he starts walking out and he just takes us outside and the car that they captured all the footage on was um, sitting out there. Like they didn't have it inside the space. Maybe it was like too much. They, they weren't allowed because yeah. they were already taking a lot of space up and they had like an array of cameras all around it. They were just like, um, what do they call them? Like DSL car, DSR or DSL cameras, yeah. and then one uh, like the Google camera thing on top. The sphere, and, the big sphere thing. Yeah, and that or like a setup for it, but the sphere like wasn't on it. But that's right. how they were driving around and capturing the footage that then they were playing in this volume. So as they drove oh. to the location, they were following the truck with this other car capturing all the footage. Wow, that's and, so fun. Yeah, it was crazy. So. That was like a little hidden thing. It was way all the way at like the far end of the south end. I think just because they had to just come like right off the street and get that giant truck in there. But yeah. um, that was really cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that blew my yeah, mind. That, it looks super professional. I mean, I, I wound up doing it and I mean, it it was so weird because it looked like a car commercial. And I, if, 
you know, and I got my footage and it looked like, but I was just so out of place. It's like, here's a brand new Mazda with Mikey Steinbergson. <laughs> like, it was so oh, impressed the part, you know? Did you actually sat in it or yeah, was that? Yeah, oh, I didn't know you could line up. I thought you just had a hired actors there. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like everybody else looks super cool in the commercial <laughs> and I just looked so off put. It was like, who is this guy wearing all black? Like with the extra, yeah. I, didn't I, I was acting like I was texting and then I like grabbed the steering wheel. It was pretty funny. But I, I had, I had oh, some cool. people laughing outside. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, we, it was, uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, yeah, yeah. But man, well, we'll probably talk more about NAB in a little bit um, yeah, yeah. because there was just, again, so much, uh, a lot of shenanigans, a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, just networking opportunities, you name it, it, it was pretty much there. Um, yeah. But I want to get into a little bit about the amazing Andrew Hess and, and a little bit about your life. Um, Andrew, if, if you could, do you just kind of like describe uh, what you do, like if you were at a bar or at a friend's house or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, well, so right now I'm an art director freelancing uh, in the motion design field. And I do sometimes do creative directions or some shops that I work at that like I, re I repeat, you know, go back to and some of them are friends from when I was full time. Um, so, you know, like those places put a lot of trust in me and, you know, prefer it like, oh, they can split up more jobs like, great, we got Hessen on this job. Can he, you know, jump on the phone with these clients on this and uh, while I'm on this other stuff. So I definitely have played that role. And, uh, you know, that's where it's like going. That's the, that's the eventuality of where I want to land. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I feel like art direction lets you sort of wear that hat, but still keep your hands dirty. And, um, so I'll do that in every, whatever capacity I get on a per freelance job basis. So if I go to a spot and they have a whole team and I'm working with that team, awesome you know if they need to like have someone that also faces the client and there isn't like a person assigned to that i, I always am willing to jump in and do that and I, I like to do that you know i like to keep the conceptual part of it going all the way through to the end and then sometimes it's like a smaller setup and i'll just i'll just jump in and do you know the whole thing um so i, I have places that i work at like that as well uh yeah, but I mean, because I've been doing this so long, like in the New York area, I mean, I think total career is probably over, geez, maybe like 14 years. But, um, and then I was uh, in the interactive space in the beginning um, for like the first five years of my career. I was ended up doing animation and 3D in that, you know, and then we'd figure out a ways to bring it into Flash and stuff. So, like, um, you know, obviously it was limited, but as long as it was animation and I was like developing and concepting and designing for animation, I was content. And then, you know, like web 2.0 and all the change, I just kind of like, oh no, I don't like this as much when it's not going to ultimately move. So um, I just happened to be working at a place called ClickRex at that time that did both. And I saw this, this opportunity to jump over as a, as a, art director there was moving to uh, the West Coast. And so I kind of like made that jump and never looked back. I mean, so now I've been doing, you know, motion design essentially for that full time, but I think fully for, you know, like probably 12 years into it, you know, wow. at first I was just kind of like, I went to a school that, that does everything. And I was like, 
what you know i like everything i like as long as it animates i like it so i did a little i interacted was the first place that i landed like a job that made sense and then uh 3d was always like what i had my eye on in motion design so mm. it was an easy move so yeah it's probably not the elevator pitch length, but <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, I, man, with like 14 years of experience, it's like so cool to just hear everything you've been doing and um, yeah, 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 super inspiring. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of on some of the things I want, well, I want to ask this because I think this is one thing did, and maybe this was a rumor or maybe it, maybe I misheard this. Have you ever done any like presentations, uh, any conferences or? Yeah. Events? Yeah. Well, so, uh, Andrew, you were saying that you, um, you, we have the N, the NAB here in NYC last year. I, I did, I did one, uh, we, there's a piece on my website, uh, that it says high speed. It's that like that concrete wall. Yeah, that was. So yeah, I actually was asked to present at that. Um, you know, Matthias was like, I want to get all the, you know, and NYC artists in and like, he asked me to do it. I was like, oh yeah, I've always kind of wanted to. And, uh, it was so fun. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it's so easy too. the Javits center is a place that I live on the West side, uh, like in the hell's kitchen area. So the okay. Javits center is a place that's on, if I, if I go down and set up that, that I walk past there. So, I mean, you know, it's like right in my backyard. I literally was like the day of the presentation, I was just like checking all the dotting all my eyes and crossing my T's like, okay, I think this is good. And just ran over there, you know? So, nice. yeah. so what was the uh, presentation? Um, I showed some, uh, I showed some style frames that I did with method studios. Um, they were like these concrete, um, this concrete divider that runs along the, the edge of a racetrack. It was for like a racing client. Um, I have to say like racing client because, <laughs> it, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's just, you know, it's important to just sort of keep it like that, but it's, it's fine. Like you get it. It is like a racing client. Those things that run around the side of the track, they're not even concrete anymore, but um, like in any sport, any racing sport, I don't yeah. think they're actually like the starving thing, but like concrete just looked graphically like the most cool, um, thing that we were like it, it, it kind of like was a great physical metaphor for like all of the destruction and chaos we were trying to capture and the mood you know so i used like that as one part of it but essentially the overall the overall um talk was about like um uh like destruction and and construction like gr like building concrete and then destroying like and removing pieces of it using like some things in the like volume builder kind of world in cinema and some things that are like just really getting a handle on displacement in redshift and trying to like set things into the wall that way um and just you know like one i thought the the method frames were cool because it shows it like in use kind of like speed designing for frames which is like a common thing i do as an art director and like one of my most favorite things to do um, before we get into animation, like what does that mood and story look like? And then uh, another thing was just like a personal project where I kind of had this idea of sculpting a bunch of uh, pieces together. Uh, that's on my portfolio, portfolio too in the style frames section. It's like this, uh, it's down a little bit. It's like a, a shoe and these hands kind of reaching for it and they're like weights and stuff. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, I, I was just kind of like, 
seen some displays on Fifth Avenue that gave me like a little in inference for this and a couple other things. And I, and I was just seeing like, oh, can you do this with all the tools one night? So those two kind of felt like a nice recent kind of hand in hand thing. And I just combined them into one um, tool. And then the last piece of the, the presentation I showed was, um, oh, like downloading a, 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 um, like a concrete texture and a, and a, and a wall, like with some detail from, uh, Quixel that had, you know, like, and then, and then using some of these techniques I just showed on that to like make a game ready kind of asset that could go into unreal, but you know, like you go into Quixel and a lot of times they have like a new thing and it's like a very detailed, uh, you know, like old fan or something <laughs> and you're like, cool. Really? And then you're like, oh, but like our style looks a little, you know, like it's not as rusted. It's like, it's old, but it's like covered in paint or something. So I think that all those tools on there are like really cool. But like, I was trying to show that you could take that, you could apply some of this like volume kind of builder and some of these like redshift, like um, destruction techniques. And you get a whole new asset from there. So like you can take those a lot farther than right, you might. Right, yeah, reimagining what you're getting out of the uh out of the asset yeah 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 so i mean i think it went uh well i had to like run through it like i think five times to really get it down to the time you get like 55 minutes max you know and that's which sounds like a lot of time but yeah once you start yeah. getting into the weeds yeah. it's it goes by quick yeah crazy yeah. stuff so so, so i want to ask too i mean you know you've mentioned creative direction you've mentioned art direction i feel like even some of what you've just described could maybe even start to like teeter on technical direction for yeah. people that like don't have a, a you know a, a complete grasp of the nuance of what those different roles are and like maybe how you leverage some you know skills that some of those roles have as an art director you know could you give us a give us like a high level view of maybe what the differences between those roles are and sort yeah. of what you borrow from as an art director um, or what you look look for in working with other you know technical directors creative directors that kind of thing yeah, yeah, that's great. It's like, especially because, right, like a lot of people listening might be, you know, it's sort of like a fast forwarded to the end of 14 years of a career. It's like, you know, on this, but right, how do you get there? Like, right. how? same thing. Like, I mean, a lot of this was just, um, you know, kind of coming up through, you start really essentially as, you know, like, like junior designer, right? <laughs> like that, I was that in an interactive world. And then even though I replaced an art director, I mean, like there was, I had to, I, I was doing the motion at the level that was art direction at that point. I've been art directing essentially in interactivity for five years at that point, but like I had to sort of prove myself in the motion world. So essentially I like stepped back under the scope of my um, higher ups, like to a design, you know, a, 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 a sorry, a junior designer role. And then um, just through, you know, just burning and churning, right? And like staying, staying uh, uh, curious, you know, and just like sort of, okay, like, well, I'm, I'm fully in this motion world now. It doesn't have to go in flash. So like, you know what? I always wanted to learn the motion world. And I just like started filling in that blank. It would be like, uh, I want to mess with particles, which I've, I've used X particles a lot throughout um, everything going on. I still use X particles a lot. I find the particles in cinema a little tedious, we can get into that world a little later. Mm -hmm. So that that part of my career was probably um, it could be like surmised to to being like a very um, 
just trying to kind of create this jack of all trades, uh, you know, portfolio that matched my personality, like matched what was going on in my head. I'm always trying to figure out like how I do it. That's probably where you're like picking up on the technical director side of things, Andrew. Like one thing that I, I found was like a, um, like a, a, a great split between like when I went from like senior uh, designer, like I worked myself up to that just by being active and, and like, you know, pleasing clients enough that they kept letting me work on stuff uh, was I think like where I started to get my voice then that step to art director was like, I realized if you have like something to kind of bring from that step, that's what kind of really like gives you the ability to call yourself that and to act that out um, in, in a, in a working setting. Right. Cause this was still, this was still all in full-time jobs. I was like, in a I was in four full-time jobs before I went freelance. So, um, you know, and, and fortunate to call a lot of those still like uh, clients. So like the connections in that. So, uh, but in that time I realized like if I could, you know, suss out the frames, but have a little bit of work behind how that's going to go right into animation. Right. The clients were like always kind of picking up on the the like the soundness of that because I could get all these like camera angles, you know. I, I could like essentially um, get like a particle sim going or whatever, and then take a freeze frame of that, and they would be like, "Wow, that really looks like the kind of movement we're looking for and stuff." Because it actually was moving, you know. I wasn't like photo bashing it and stuff. Right. So and I, I mean, would... at that and like the the benefit has to be too. It's like. To be able to, you know, a client says, okay, we love these style frames. Let's continue in this direction. Um, yeah. You know, picking, you're, you're not recreating a style frame in whatever the pipeline that you're using for the project. Yeah. You know, you can basically go right back in and say, all right, great. Well, like we already have dynamic set up for those particles. We can start refining. And, you know, that is, um, I feel like that's why I brought up the technical thing too, because it's it's sort of like a lot of times you have, I feel like I've worked with, with uh, CDs or 80s that, maybe don't have the technical experience or like, or, yeah. or really are really more focused on like the managerial side of things. And so right. like, you know, they can pitch ideas, but it's sort of like the, it's like the adage of like salespeople selling what's off the truck. It's like they go and oh. sell a bunch of stuff and you're like, yeah, but like physically we can't do that. Right. So if you have the, yeah. if you have the know-how to say, not only can we execute this idea, but like it's already basically halfway built and we can pick up from there. I mean, that's a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, like that's why I always try to um, make it, like a careful word choice in my like, you know, about Andrew kind of thing on my webpage or when I'm like, when I went to do this talk, you know, and like had to, um, uh, like the NAB one that I did. And, and even here, like I try to say, you know, that I art director, but it's such a broad term. So it needs like a little definition. I always try to say like, you know, I I've done everything from work with really talented teams to, you know, gotten my hands dirty and like been in the trenches and, and that I love that part of it too. So, yeah, I think um, I think like you're exactly right, Andrew. Like, there's so many art direction like can just kind of like lead to this big open void of like, okay, we'll have to see what they can do when they're there. <laughs> so as much as you can kind of give up front, I think that helps like kind of angle it. And then I hope you know, I mean, I'm glad to see you know, it's awesome to hear that you're picking it up just looking at the work. Like, I think I try to make it show in the work. Like that's one of the things that excites me so much about all these tools um, as we can do more things like in camera, uh, in Redshift, like in Unreal Engine, like now you're just seeing these like full on almost done things like captured. Um, we're talking about like the volume. 
the Mandalorian, like they're getting all the the rim lighting of like the giant bright light in the scene behind them on them, and then they just maybe are like enhancing it with an exposure in comp and right. whatever they're copying. Yeah, and you're like not, you're not faking lighting any, you know, there's so much yeah, positing work that's like real. left off the table, which it's the yeah. it's in a lot of times it's the tedious stuff too, right? So yeah, you know, um even even like technology like lidar you can really extend that technology to, to accomplish a lot of stuff in camera right you know getting totally. passes out and all and, and all of that as well which is which is awesome and I, yeah, you know, this kind of all segues really really nicely i wanted to ask you just i mean 14 years of experience you know you said you worked interactive like flash era interactive yeah. um, and here we are kind of like on the cusp of we have vr and ar and you know all the all these new technologies coming out that leverage, you know, that it's a continuation of the same story of using digital art to tell stories and, and all that. But sure. I guess I'm curious in your perspective, how is the role as, as an art director, how has the role uh, changed with the increasing use of 3D and digital art and maybe even getting into the world of VR and AR? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that, you know, we see it as an industry whole, what we can see from these sort of like making ofs of like the Mandalorian stuff, like if, for the VFX side of things, right? Like I work with Method a lot. Um, they do some really heavy VFX stuff. They do some things that aren't even any motion graphics necessarily. It's like all the things that you don't even know you're seeing any of our work, you know, any of our digital stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, like th that's handled by a lot more like flame artists and, and new compositors and things. But, um, but I do know, and they were there uh, hanging out with us. And I think Dave Weinstock, like I, I know that um, he has worked at some places where like they'll do, they're doing Unreal Engine now, you know, as mm -hmm. as they called him in specifically because he had a project that showed that skill set off. And they're like, we're going to finish this all in Unreal. Maybe they're taking parts and rotoing and getting like all the fine details that Flame and Nuke can provide. Um, and I mean, definitely they are, but like, we are definitely, I think, seeing that whole switch. Um, and then when you step it back to like the motion graphics world, like that is sometimes where I struggle a little bit. I went and like learned Unreal this past winter, like, uh, like the Christmas break. Like I always end up back here, you're like good with family time and like, all right, I'm going back. And I like the time right in between there because it's so quiet in the city. Yeah, you've got, two, you've got two weeks, no one's around. It's yeah. like, maybe there's some snow on the ground. You're just like holed up in your office, like doing whatever you want. Cause you're on, you know, everything's, yeah. everything's quieted down. Yeah. I know that, I know that exact sentiment. I, I appreciate this. Yeah. It's usually like a week or two for me that I'm, I love it. I love coming back when no one else is around and you're like, this yeah. is the time to, to cut my teeth on something new. That's right. So I, I chose Unreal for this time, this time. And uh, I did like Jonathan Wimbush's five day oh, yeah. course. That thing was so great at just getting Incredible. you set up. I mean, because none of those tutorials were more than like 50, 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And, and Wimbush is just like a master of putting yeah. together like he's putting things in there that you wouldn't think you need to know. And then, you know, you go through the, the whole series and you, you look back and you're like, Oh, thank God I learned these, just these little nuggets of info that don't feel important at the time, but you're like, it's just, it tells the bigger picture of, you know, how to learn yeah. the program. Yeah. It was That's definitely right. the right. best tutorial series that were, you know, coming from a motion graphic background. Yeah. It was just so well put together for my train of thought. You know, I was cool. like, this is exactly what I wanted to learn. You know, it, it was a really good tutorial. You know, it didn't go too yeah. much into the gaming side and all the blueprints. It was just, no. you know, all about animation and yeah, 
it was like a quick start guide. It really was like, get up and go. And because it was so concise, like I didn't feel I had all this tutorial out in front of me. So I would just like sit there and be like, oh, that, you know, we would show you how to do one thing. And I'd be like, that's cool. And I would just like go off in another file. And like, I, when he showed you how to draw down rocks and stuff, I'm like, that's, that's exactly why everyone's doing this. This is right. so easy. And like, you're just painting, you know? So then I went and drew like all kinds of stuff in a, file that got crazy but you know like yeah so i did all that and i was like oh this is obtainable and very cool and then um you know then i i was kind of like okay and i was like all right wait okay that was learning time also in this downtime i want to do some of like these motion graphics like my personal projects end up leaning towards more of a motion graphics space and and yeah i guess i should clarify that too right for listeners so like motion graphics being something Unreal Engine can get a little more like gamey or environmental, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then that's why it fits so well in the VFX space, of course. Like we we need a background with all these trees. Like okay, we used to matte paint that and push it in After Effects or Nuke or whatever. Right. Now we're like doing it, and we like can change the camera live and and then put some new stuff in the foreground. We have the 3D dimension back available to us, which is so cool, and fog and atmospherics. But like mm. when motion graphics my projects that are in mo the motion graphics world are more like oh i want to like paint uh one of my favorites is like I, I i took a rock and i used like uh actually at the time i used uh x particles vertex map thing and i just had these spheres hit it and leave a trail with like the delay effector of, of paint you know or what ended up being paint i put these two shaders on it looked like these orange spheres and these blue oh, spheres yeah, yeah. in a rock and I just wanted to see like if I could, you know, it was just fun. And that to me, and then I, I kind of designed it. So the rock came up and whipped them off. And that ended up still feeling like very motion graphics-y to me, right? It's like, it's like punchy movement or it's like, a, it's catching a certain mood. It's like shorter um, form. It's not like long form, like Unreal is more like in my head, long form. And you're like establishing the environment for a space. There's like all kinds of examples of that. So then i after i'd learned unreal i was kind of like oh how do i you know what's the next step like oh what are particles like in this and i started looking at the particles thing i was like oh that's like a little that's like a little bit programmy or almost like houdini or kind of you know or you could use houdini and bring that in or something right. so i was like oh there's still this kind of like divide where i think it's going to help me right now i mean there there is like that company that was trying to develop that panel you know that um for the i think it was like a, a race car thing or it was like two sports teams or something like that totally like that's awesome but it was in development yet so we don't have those tools yet and there was a couple things that i was like really like we don't have that right. <laughs> you know i was in there so after i learned it enough i was like all right i i, I want to come back to this but like in terms of the next project that i have in my head like it doesn't make sense to do in here it makes sense to do in cinema and like i could do that in two nights but i it was a barrier yet because it was like a little bit of a particle end to it. And I just didn't quite know how to bring that in. So um, my point with all that is just that like, this is where I still feel the hiccup is before it's like totally as makes as much sense for us. Like when we want some ability to just kind of like blob some stuff around or whatever, do a Houdini like looking thing. Uh, you know, it, it makes more sense when I have an idea that's kind of like an environmental space. Uh, you know, I want to make a, essentially a video game level. Or I have an idea where I'm looking across this field at a certain angle and the sun's coming in just right. Like, 
Right. That doesn't make sense in cinema anymore. That that you can set it up in Unreal and it looks crazy, and then you can keep changing the camera. But yeah, yeah. So that that's where I found found myself at the other end of that like little explore. I mean, it's changing so much. This was like Christmas, and like how many other things have come out since then. <laughs> it's not to say that that's that's wall it's just like my experience of it you know and, yeah, and um, the, pace, the pace does feel definitely like it's accelerating um yeah you know especially with ai and just like totally. you know people writing new tools using ai <laughs> like code new tools and like extending functionality of programs it's like every day there's something new you can learn but it yeah. sounds like you know as, like as an art director you have to keep in mind exactly what you just described which is like just because it is the thing that everyone's talking about or just because it's good at a certain functionality does not necessarily mean it's the right tool for what you're doing here right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this might fall in the category of like some of the, the uh, questions I've heard you ask on other episodes, Michael and Andrew, which is like, you know, what, what kind of advice do you have for people? But yeah. oh. like, uh, I've, I've found, I'm not someone who can pull off like an everyday kind of thing. I either like run out of the energy because I put so much into the, I put like 120% into my day to day because, you know, I feel like a freelance rate, like at a certain point and a certain level in your career, that's like what you have to do or you're, or like, you're not going to keep getting employed, you know, not yeah. to the same level, right? Not as easily, not as, um, not as like, uh, happily and, and quickly, you know, there's like more to it. You might have to like negotiate your rate or whatever. So if right. you want to like, I find that if you just put all the effort into the day, no one ever asks those questions. You know, they're just mm. like, they, they, you, they understand you give them a certain level of service. So <clears throat> when I do find energy and time yet yeah, Christmas <laughs> break, it's like in these little pockets. Um, uh, I, I put it all into a motion graphics piece of some sort, a personal project, like experiment of some sort that yes, is like, for me, and like, I'm not trying to like, kind of lather it with client stuff, right? But I can't just make something that's going to like go in the ether and be useless. Like it, ha it should mean something to the space that I want to keep designing. I've heard this like a lot more simply said a lot, in a, a lot more recently, like, you know, put the work up on your portfolio that you want to be doing, right? Like, oh, yeah. don't, don't put up the projects you don't want to do. And I feel the same way about personal projects, like put personal projects up that if you're really into sci-fi, put sci-fi stuff up. If you're, you know, if you're in nature, which does inspire me a lot, like put that up. Um, and, and these things will like, there's because you'll put an extra level of something into them because they speak to you. That's the stuff that clients are always like, what is that? Like that really caught my attention. And they may talk about your, your client work, but they, probably are going to look at that stuff, you know, yeah. they came yeah. to you for the other stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's like you do something and someone sees it and they, it's as simple as like, I want exactly that, you know, this is mm -hmm. what I envisioned. And so, yeah, you know, extend that visual language or that aesthetic to my brand or my product or whatever yeah. it is they might be employing you for. But, um, but yeah, it's so bonus it's, because you can do it without you, you know, it was a personal project you created from scratch. So like, there's no real copyright on it yet or anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's also a good, I've, I've gotten the advice too, of just like, um, you know, I, I'm sure most people in this space, you just have hard drives and hard drives full of stuff. Right. Yeah. 
And it's like, yeah. I, I actually have recently made it a, a pretty regular um, habit of just going back through things and looking mm-hmm. at, you know, opening old project files and, you know, like I'm a Blender guy. So like we have an, we have asset library now in Blender. And so what I've been doing is just like going through old projects and like, oh, I never used that shader or I never used that like That's environment cool. I set up and just like drop it in an asset browser so that if you're in another project in the future, exactly to your point, it's like none of this stuff is used or copyrighted. You don't have to feel bad about like I did it for another client project. I'm going to reuse it. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. value in all of that for sure. Yeah, like that. That's interesting that you say that. Like that's how I have my um, experimental folder like set up. I have it as it's got like some. It's got like a test folder at the top that has all my little like experiments that maybe weren't. I I didn't really ever think much about, but they were like oh a little solve, and I don't want to forget how to do this. Sometimes I'll like throw a screenshot in there. It has um, then it has folders that I'll put like underscore active in front of the name of whatever the project name is. They sit to the top that way then. Right. And then uh, when I finish a project, I remove the active, but like the folder just drops down into what essentially is like a repository of things I've done then, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like if I post something up and a client literally says like, how did you do that? I'm like, oh, well, I still have the you know like i'll tell you right now hold on (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i get rid of all the i clean it up like uh often in that christmas time as well but like uh but yeah and then sometimes i have a project in like the active that's just been sitting there for so long and i'm like i don't even want to do this one anymore you know And, and and i'm the one who came up with it so like i don't need to i can just remove my it's not speaking to me anymore and i'll just put under tired in front of it it drops to the bottom or like retired, like X retired. And, and then, but it's still there for the exact same reason you said, just in case there's something about it where it's like, wasn't quite something I wanted to bring to fruition, like for a personal project, but, oh, that's yeah. what the client's asking for. I got that, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Absolutely. And especially when you're pitching work and like you pitch stuff that just gets like, for some reason, it doesn't fit what the client was looking for. Like, doesn't mean that all that work that you put into that pitch is useless. It just means it's not yeah. for that client. So yeah save, yeah save yourself the time in the future you know you, you never know when someone asks for exactly what you pitched before that just didn't get get taken up yeah i mean that's what the style frame section on my website is um i mean actually what i always think too is like i don't post enough even dead projects from clients stuff because there's like a period of time where like it's you're not sure if it's even something you can post right you know right, right. and then after a while it's like you know but i try to catalog it at least somewhere and so it's on my portfolio which when someone got me from word of mouth from a thing like someone definitely looking at that that wants to hire me so like there's a lot of motivation for me to keep that active and and flowing um but obviously like to bring it back to the person who's trying to figure this out and the steps up you know that's just because i've been doing it for 14 years like that i have people looking at that it's not that easy if you're starting out you know it does Mm. that is a part that i i feel is like really tricky to give advice on like how how does someone like build that up other than time especially now i mean i can't help but feel like social media is just even different than it was five years ago different than it was 10 years you know it's just a totally different game and so a lot of times you know the advice that you got when you were first starting out doesn't necessarily apply to the way that you're looking today but but i think it's still worth like it's, it's always a good sentiment to say, you know, do stuff for yourself. If you don't use it anywhere, you know, hold on to it because you never know when it's going to be useful. Or, you know, there are times where I just like need to re-inspire myself. You know, it's like you yeah. open up a project that you forgot about. And you're like, damn, I can't believe I actually like went to the effort of setting that up. Like I can, you know, I can yeah. work with this. So, yeah, that's true. I, 
And Andrew, I want to ask because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I your work is just so good. I mean, oh, if thanks, anybody's man. listening, definitely go. It's just andrewhess.com. You're going to see some absolutely gorgeous work. And so I have to ask, you know, we're, we're seeing things from, um, you know, absolute vodka to some really cool commercials uh, with the apartments.com to one of my favorite games, which got turned into a movie, yeah. Uncharted. Um, yeah. I just have to ask with somebody that's been working in the field for 14 years, what what was your favorite project that you've ever worked on and why? Well, definitely that Uncharted one, which, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of a of a tier kind of set up to this. It's like I try to keep it in order of favorite on, on the site. But yeah, definitely oh, that. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. A bit, I mean time-wise but yeah yeah like the apartments.com one i just put up actually ahead of this thing just so i have like something new up there but mm. i mean as a overall impressive project i think the uncharted one still kind of sits up there so yeah i set it above it um but there yeah what was really interesting about that project it was like same thing played the games love them you know like it was it was like concept art brought to life but this guy uh ivan gerard who works at uh, method he's a creative director there he like you know he put like a painterly layer to the concept art he went through like a ton of iterations you know like he th this looked different like four different times which i you know is i've done for some of my projects you know that i was leading the design charge on it those absolute ones were actually that um so we can talk about that too but like yeah um the so like i felt his his pain by the time i got there and he had been working on it for like months by then um i actually I, I talked to another artist that like was working on these as well like like this was being pitched to a couple places which is kind of weird it, it, you know it kind of happens yeah. uh a lot because <laughs> you know like you you know friends from all these things so like this had gone through some different hands, you know, and, um, but, you know, like the director had a very specific vision. So, uh, I think that Ivan did an incredible job of like, uh, bringing that vision to life. Yeah. And then, and then on this job specifically, they enabled me to like be the lead of bringing actually, you know, animating it to life, which was wow. really, yeah. There's another guy that, um, is really, you know, his name's Wes and he works at, has worked at Method forever. And he's a, like a creative director there as well. And, and just like fucking awesome. All these guys are so talented. Um, so it's amazing to work on projects with them. And he just got swamped with some other stuff. So um, yeah, so like we worked through some really intricate things. I don't wanna get like too specific about them because I feel like they're things that, you know, you know, method owns, which is good. Like they're, yeah. they're an incredible shop and they do incredible stuff, but like we worked through some things and then he's just sort of like, cool. Like, all right. And I was like, God, I get it. Like, this is going to be awesome. Like now we have a way to kind of bring this, this, uh, 2d meets 3d look to life. And, uh, and they, they trusted me to lead the charge on it. Cause I've done some other stuff with them at this point. And so this, this was fun in terms of like the level of trust in, instilled in me. Um, the 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 kind of 2d and 3d thing that i was hadn't done a ton of like you know in this way and this kind of painterly thing um yeah just the scale of this project so i think this definitely stands up there and i, I mean if you're looking at it on there too i know 
there are some there's some uh, restrictions about where it could be viewed. So you can go and see it like it actually play down on Method's website. I think mm -hmm. I believe like this yeah. link is still live. Yeah. And then you can scroll down and see some some gifs that were like pieces that I specifically worked on. And then thankfully other artists were like able to join because it was like a long project. So we were able to um, I was able to give like another third to another artist and another third to another artist and yeah, it was awesome. This was also like one of the first projects where I was working on the ACEs workflow. And so it was oh, just yeah. like learning yeah. a ton of things at once. And we were yeah. working in this 3D program and that 3D program. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. great. I mean, I played, I think every single Uncharted game. So yeah. I was a big skeptic when it came to how the video and movie was going to come out. And yeah. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. And I mean, honestly, even the intro, like I love how the map theme is all like kind of in the background. There's just so many elements of it. And then it has... I love how it starts off 3D, so it's kind of like being yeah. true to the game, but then it kind of goes into bringing in the characters. It's just a great intro. It's It was yeah. really fun, very well mixed, and like, yeah, we get this was a game. We get what you're about to see, and that's going to have real actors, and it was just... I. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm fanboying over here. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I was doing the same thing. Like, I think the first, because they had all been in it so long, like I said yeah. the first thing was me just for, like, you know, the first intro kickoff project was me doing the same thing. I was like, what? what? You got so excited. And they're like, well, it's <laughs> been months. But, yeah, we're, no, we're excited, you know. And then everybody did get really excited as it kept coming along. But, oh, yeah, it was, it's a beast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Good. Tom Holland's also Spider-Man. So you got you basically <laughs> got to work on Spider-Man. So. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot of there was a lot of that too. Yeah. It was like like working when you know you're typesetting like Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. You're like, what the heck is happening? You know, like I'm, yeah, it's so cool. And then uh and then going and seeing like your name on it, because they they oh, put yeah. titles in there. That was that was awesome, you know. I mean it was like yeah, so that's cool. Awesome. We do have to get to the future portion, but I want to yeah. ask um, one question beforehand, unless Andrea more, but my last question is going to be the exact opposite question, but more for um, art directing. Now, as artists, we have, we've always worked with art directors or creative directors, and you hear all the joyous things when, you know, when it comes to working together, the kumbaya stories on here. But... I want to hear from your perspective. What's maybe something that you feel like you don't say out loud, or that you, or a tip you would give to animators or motion designers that you're like, man, I just don't say this enough, or maybe it comes out too late in the project. Um, what's like one frustration maybe you constantly um, feel you run into? Can, yeah, can I just reframe the? I actually had a question. Yeah. Um, oh, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just it. like, um, so what are some of the biggest challenges you face when working with 3D and digital artists as an art director? Well, Perfect. yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I would say that having, like, been in the trenches and worked up to it, I get to sort of, I'm, I'm immediately on their side, you know? So that's not, that's not a challenge. That's like good thing. That puts us like level, which once you start talking that way, they see you and they're here that you put on, been put on as the art director. And they're like, Oh, great. Like another person to tell me what I got to do. But as soon as they, they hear that, like I've set a file up and I've done some takes system stuff. So like, all you have to do is animate it. Like it's just grab the file. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. And like, 
immediately we're now we're talking like on the same trust level because I just saved them like, you know, a half a day of work. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is, is like, if you can get to that nitty gritty, I find that like the, you know, to me, it was important to never be like this designer who doesn't animate anymore, you know, cause I've graduated and that's beneath me. It's like, no, we're all, that's what we're all doing together, you know? And I think mm -hmm. some of the best people I work with, a lot of people at Method, they also do it to that level. Like, um, uh, Johnny Likens is, is one of the lead creative directors there along with John Newlander. John Newlander is an incredible, uh, Houdini artist. I don't know if you've seen, like, he has the things where like the stuff comes out of his mouth or whatever, like they're just endless. Yeah, I think I know. What he you're like, about. I mean, he started a whole. He was doing a lot. A lot of people have tried to capture that his vibe. He's like the guy, you know. Um, Johnny Likens, like I worked on him with him on a on a pitch on this high this high speed thing, and uh, mm -hmm. he threw in frames like in one. He just got inspired. We were talking about things. I had like a whole pure ref board up, and he got inspired, and he just started. Oh, I got, I got one. I'm going to do it. He's, and he was like drowning in other work. And he's just like, I'm going to do it because like, because he just had to, you know? Yeah. Right. So I think, uh, Andrew, like answer your question and, and Michael, like it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating if you aren't as excited about bringing the thing to life mm -hmm. as, as like the person who designed it was, you know, like if I walked onto the uncharted job, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, I guess I'll just try some, you know, I don't know, uh, 3D in there too. That's complicated. It was so complicated. But <laughs> but I was excited to figure out how to do it, you know. And so then Ivan immediately was like, you got my vote. You know, like, we're in. We're in this together. Like, it was hard, but we were in it together. So that, I think, is key. Like, you're not just doing, like, a job. I mean, I hope. It is a job. Yeah, but, like, yeah. you feel like if you're doing this job, you probably like love it. You, go, you can't see yourself doing anything else. I, I mean, I think, cause it's, it's so much work. So like, you don't just like stumble into this job, you know, like you, mm -hmm. you, you love it if you stick with it, you know? So yeah, that, that's probably a frustration I've seen. It's one that I feel like gets mitigated a lot because I I've been there so I right. can like quickly match it. That goes back to what I was saying, like gives me my, my, advantage is like i was gonna say I, that's like your that's your secret sauce is that you yeah you can, you can mitigate some of that frustration because you can meet designers and artists that you work with on the level that they're at uh, yeah. which is not always it's definitely not always the case you know if you haven't done yeah. art direction or creative direction as a designer sometimes you get you know directives from whoever you're working under and you're like what the hell's going on i don't you know i don't yeah. you know if you don't understand what's going on on the other side but yeah, but yeah being able to sort of speak the same language is super important yeah yeah yeah, I mean, um, I think Michael, where you talk about this kind of falling into the 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 more advice thing too, like the I, I was gonna say, I was gonna add to it. Um, even if you're an animator, it pays you to have a design eye, because mm -hmm. like this was a big thing. Okay, so as I was going up in my career and I was trying to go from uh, junior designer, senior designer, art director, like do the whole ladder thing. Um, I, I was getting very like into these technical things and I was fortunate to, enough to have a creative director. Durs Hallgren was the first guy that I was like working under as a motion in a motion world fully. Like when I switched over to that motion side, he was the guy. And, um, 
he's incredible too. Like he works at Hogarth now, uh, which may have a different company name. So we, I, we'll figure that out. But, uh, <laughs> um, but they, he does incredible stuff over there. Does really incredible live action shoots. He can really command a, a, a an audience and like um, actors and actresses. And so he would always impress that upon me. I see that you really like X particles, but let's get these design frames tight, you know, yeah. before we try to make the particles roll around it. Like if you want to play the particles out, cool, but like make sure like the camera is focused up the lens, you know, like look what this looks like when you look up this bottle instead of just like right at the bottle, that's boring. Look at like, what if it's a hundred feet tall because the camera lens is like flowing up. Those are the kind of tricks that I pulled from him and they, kind of come out in an animation world like that's an animation tip right but it's also a design tip it's why it, you know in that one absolute thing where i had the particle thing flowing around it the angles are, are wild because like we pushed the bottle back and we we stretched the lens out and these are all like real world lensing things that make a shot look more interesting so it's a design eye that guides like an animation sort of end result yeah, 100%. yeah for, it's like forest for the trees almost, you know, like you get yeah. so you can get so down the rabbit hole of like the technical side of trying to make, you know, you get I've I'm guilty of it all the time. You're just like you want that one thing to happen. You're trying to figure out that one setting or whatever. And then suddenly mm -hmm. you do it and you spend all this time on it and you, you take a step back and you're like, wait, this shot or like whatever, you know, the context that it's working in isn't even solved yet. So yeah. You've, yeah. You've, you've wasted so much time down that rabbit hole, you know. And That's I'm not it. gonna lie, I have just friends who are so good at designing and so good at illustrating, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know about if I should get into motion graphics. Like, maybe I should." And I'm like, "Just do it," because every single time, man, these designers they wind up being phenomenal at motion graphics. Yeah. Like, in a few months, they're better than I was after a few years. Sometimes, you know, the yeah. design aspect is such a crucial part when it comes to it. Yeah. But, I mean, I follow a number of artists that only post still frames and I'm like, right, like that, if you, if they look shit hot, like that works, you know, like that's, that's plenty. I mean, they're that, making, they're that's, working how you, on... that's how you can show off, you know, mastering composition and lighting yeah. and like just all the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and again, another great example, like Shakespeare coming in as like a professional photographer doing like right. high end fashion. Mm. Yeah making 3d high-end fashion like it yeah. translated over so well just the composition the color scheme you know the design oh. of it oh so good well with that being said um i'm excited we're going to jump into our next uh section which is the future uh so let's do it yeah yeah All right, welcome to the future part of the podcast. This is where we go over everything where we think the industry is going, whether it's AR, VR, AI, NFTs, you name it. That's what we're going to be talking about. Again, though, they, there's no judgment. We're just speculating. We're just having a good time talking about where things may or may not go. Um, so with that being said, I think we're going to start off with this because we've talked so much about design frame. And even earlier, I know you said that was one of your favorite parts. You love jumping in and just getting some stuff on the board. Um, with that being said, Andrew, has, has AI, is something maybe like mid-journey, become a part of your process um, when it comes to storyboarding or the early creative process? So, yeah, I mean, 
it's interesting. I'm on the Discord, obviously. I'm I'm probably like a light user. <laughs> I'm like an observer user. I mean, in general, I, that's how I kind of take on any new technology, um, just sort of like observing and 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 kind of monitoring first. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm sort of like conflicted as a fan and also a critic. You know, like I see. Um, I see both sides. I see the dangers. Uh, I see people outside of our space that are pointing out some really poignant dangers. Sam Harris had a really, I'm terrified of AI and for very valid reasons, uh, podcast the other day. Like, um, I have to go listen to it, but my girlfriend was telling me about it and I'm like, Ooh, I need to listen to that. Uh, so it's, but I'll say, I'll give examples of my sort of like couple little uses of it that I think were pretty great. Um, and then one that was bad, <laughs> not bad, but just like kind of, kind of dumb. So I needed, uh, I needed like a cactus with eyes. It's something that like people have pho photographed. Uh, it's like a thing, uh, like certain little divots happen inside of the cact in cactuses and it looks like a face or something like that. And I was doing something where I like needed a cactus to have a, they couldn't just be a cartoony face. They needed like a convincing face. And I was looking and it was like this photo that the client shared that was like a really small, low res. And then um, like not that many other good examples of it. So it doesn't happen so often. There was like thousands of photos of this. And then I was just like, I had a half a day. I had like, no, I had a day and I had, you know, a day to do this. I had like two hours. So I was like, well, maybe this is finally what I'm going to use. Mid journey, let's go. And it was just like making these anime cactuses with like dumb. I just, I, there was no, I would put a photo reel. It was, it was like that painted reel, you know, like that, that surreal paint. It just, there was nothing I could put. I mean, I was just probably not good at prompting, but it seemed like I gave it a solid half hour. I was like, this is me. I don't know the technology yet. Yeah. Keep trying a different prompt. Keep trying a different prompt. And it just, got stupider I felt like you know like it was just like not right so it was like okay I'll, I'm leaving this I'll come back to it when I was you know when I want to do something in more fantasy world I guess or maybe it's just like mid-journey wasn't the right one I should have been using whatever uh stable diffusion or something right like I don't know um and so then I was like well wait a minute AI though I just paid a, enough money that it's annoying that I bought the Topaz like up res thing, you know, yeah. it was for a different job. And I was like, oh, it was, they had some deal. And I was like, whatever, 150 bucks for the whole package. Okay. So I ended up just kind of up resing the shitty low res thing that they gave me and being able to extract from that enough that I put that in. They were like, this is great. So I was like, okay, that was good. You know, I didn't go try to create it. I took something they gave me and I used this other part of it and, and I got it going. Um, and then, yeah. And then, so not visual, but the other day I needed like the name, a, a fake name of a cell service thing. And I was like, and I was like, does the client have any ideas? And they're like, no, not at all. They're like, they trust us. And I was like, if producers busy and like, I'm like, what the, f why is this my job? So I was like, okay, all right, well, chat, chat GPT, like, here we go. Like, like, give me the, give me the name of a fake thing. And it, it threw one out. I was like, Oh, shit, that's pretty good. And I was like, give me 10 more. And it did. And then I like uh, texted my friend Tom and was like, yo, check this out. And he's like, oh, well, that one's been used. Um, and, you know, that what was the name of a cell phone thing. So be careful. And I ended up going with one of them. But I was like, that took 
you know, two minutes. And if I really tried to sit there and do that right, like, I feel like that could have taken a half an hour or an hour. So, yeah, no, it's funny. I, my, um, one of my coworkers, he does a lot of, I guess, he works kind of as Star Wars, but as a fan, but he does like kind of content moderation. Like Disney comes to him, but he does it for free. He's just obsessed with it. But he said the name generation was one thing that he was mm. using ChatGPT for. And it, like, hey, this is like Star Wars, like this is a new town. Yeah, you know, yeah, he said the same thing. Like sometimes you can spend a half hour trying to think of like really cool names, or you know, yeah. maybe there's different buildings or different sections in that area, and you want them to kind of all have the same feeling of language to it. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I just want to agree with you on Mid Journey as well. I, yeah. You know, I always say I I don't always say this, but I always feel like if I don't know what I want something to look like, but I have a general idea, like maybe an, an alien mixed with a panda bear eating a pizza, right? Like it'll make something that looks great. And I'm like, damn, that's insane. But if I have an exact image that's in my head and I want mid journey to make it, I can't get the exact image that I want. You know, it's it's yeah. great for making like a general idea of what you're going for. I mean, 10 out of 10 on that. But to make yeah. exactly what you want, it's like so hard to get that like rain control on it, you know, um, which I'm that's the part I'm happy about, because yeah. as long as that is the case that you can't you have to get so exact with these clients like we know, like they, exactly. they want exact. they had this picture in their head. And you can't get near it. I mean, sometimes, but you got to get it exactly. And it takes iteration after iteration. I know that's what it's doing, but like at a certain point, I just get frustrated and you start to think time value, like, okay, yeah. I think I could have gotten there quicker now. Now I've gone too far down the rabbit hole. This isn't useful. Well, and not only that, but like iterating as a designer, right? Like it, it, say you are just sitting down with like Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever, you know, whatever your tool is and you're, you're concepting yourself and ideating yourself, right? Client asks yeah. for something, you show it to them. They're like, this isn't exactly what we're looking for. We want something a little more like this. You make adjustments and then the client's happy with it. You now have like a running log in your head of like, okay, when I added more grit to this texture or when I like changed fonts, like you have a running tab of the things that are getting closer to what the client is asking for. I feel yeah. like you, you um, give a lot of that up with sort of prompting for text image stuff right now. And so yeah. not only is it difficult that like you don't have maybe the fine tune control you're looking for but like maybe even more frustrating is that like when you do start to sort of sort of hit on things that you're like yes that's closer to what i'm looking for it's it's still sort of you know they talk about this black box issue where it's like we don't really even know what a lot of this ai is doing to get these end results and so so it just becomes like you know very unwieldy and like when you're on a when you if you're on a deadline or you're just like you know you're at the you know the you're at the sort of whims of your client's vision that they might not be very good at articulating to you. It can become even more frustrating when you don't know exactly how to sort of refine that. So yeah. I, I feel the same way where it's, you know, it's good for some things, but in, in certain situations, usually it's good for things when I, there's nothing on the line for me. Like if I just want to sort yeah. of around and see what, what comes That's true. But when, when I have to start explaining decisions or iterating further on decisions, um, it's, the just the control just isn't there for me yet yeah it's funny that like it's funny that chat gpt 
version like seems more immediately useful. Actually, I was the other, I, I'm considering like uh, going month to month on my rent so that my my timeline syncs up with my girlfriends and we're going to look for an apartment together right and i was like chat gpt uh how do you nicely ask your super to to <laughs> like and it had five really great suggestions i think i could have gone and found on the internet spend like maybe an hour to do it it gave it to me in five minutes showed it to my girlfriend she's like oh, yeah. these are great i just <laughs> i just moved and i did all of my you know, this, this place I moved into, it was like, you got to have two professional references. You have to have two personal yeah. references, yada, yada. And like, yeah, you can Google templates for, you know, I'm trying to get a new apartment, you know, and you got to click on a few links and figure out which ones work. I gave it all to ChatGPT and it was <laughs> so not, I mean, like I, you know, you do, you go back and you edit a little bit and you're like, let me just try sure. to give it a little human element here. But yeah, there are yeah. For stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. I am using ChatGPT. <laughs> Write me some emails that I don't feel comfortable writing myself. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I like can write. I just I don't like to write. So if that thing that thing seems to me like a me, but you know, I'm, it's not, funny. I'm not a copywriter. You know, like yeah. I'm not a professional yeah. copywriter. And in certain situations, right. like if I'm writing an email to my friend or my, you know, a family member, it's very different than like yeah, reaching out to your landlord and saying, hey, I need, I want to switch to month to month rent. You know, you gotta. Yeah. It's just a you know different tone. Interesting is they say that, and it it's crazy. I can talk to my grandma. Uh, she's like in her late eighties. And she can recite memories as if though they were yesterday. You know, I mean, long stories, just create TV show, all these things. It's kind of wild. And I was reading this article. This was maybe a few years ago. This is even before AI. And they were saying that they're noticing this interesting trend that when they ask younger generation and an older generation a kind of hard question on something that they might know how, how it works, that the younger generation looks for something to give it an answer, and the older generation will try and reflect on themselves to figure oh, out the wow. answer. And so oh, it's just man. interesting that, you know, going into the future, I wonder how much more that's going to quickly cause the younger generation to just instantly think like chat GPT, like something yeah. else give me the answer versus ever reflecting on their own on themselves yeah. you know and that might even just make them even more valuable because they're going to be getting answers faster they're going to get be getting work faster so yeah. it's you know um, this is the this is the dangerous part of chat chat gpt that if it becomes the new google yeah and it's just as capable of giving you a fantasy answer as a real answer because mm. it is right now you can tell it to write you a fantasy story Right. Or I've heard like a lot of people recently afraid that, you know, it could spread disinformation really well written disinformation. So like, right. that's the danger, right? If we just go to chat GPT and it becomes like the new Google, it's like another place for disinformation. That's where it gets a little gray that that brings me back to scared and, about And it. like even, <laughs> even harder, yeah. I think on that front too, because at least with disinformation, the way it exists on say Google, you can mm -hmm. have people that can go in and see specifically a citation of like this website says this thing. Uh, let's fact check the information and see where they, you know, did they cite the information? Let's go look at the mm -hmm. citation. Like mm -hmm. where, did, you know, where with, with a lot of the, uh, you know, large language model stuff, it's sort of like, I don't, you know, where'd you get the information? Okay. I can't even go in, yeah. I can't even go and dig into where that you pulled the information from because it's again, just like presented yeah. confidently in this sort of chatbot manner. So like Wikipedia becomes the gold standard of accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> even for a while, that was kind of like, 
Yeah, you know, like you couldn't, you couldn't cite a Wikipedia source when I was in school. <laughs> they would be like, no, you got to go back and get another one or you're going to get like a lower grade. Well, like, you know, it could be interesting. Maybe there are ways where you can have uh, authentication mode. I think like prompt engineering is not even going to be in just, you know, using it for mid journey and visuals, but it could be for doing text and there could be like uh, almost a coding command for getting certain responses through chat GPT. But you know, it'd be yeah. cool if you could even develop like only use valid sources to get my answer. And then it would yeah. like only check now what are those valid sources? I don't know, but that that would be pretty interesting. That future is going to be very interesting. Where, where well, do you, yeah, that's a good point. Because just on the just one more note about the chat GPT and the AI thing, I feel like these are like the parlor tricks that you almost would like see it at, at NAB in a way like the ones we just saw all the things like mm -hmm. They still feel like two of what will be like millions of uses of AI. And we're just like seeing the first or, you know, whatever I'm saying two, but like, we're seeing like right. a handful, you can count on a, on both hands, how many AI things there are now. Mm -hmm. And in another year, you probably will not be able to, they'll just start being in everything. It'll yeah. like be in our phone search. It'll be when we like sit down, something will like scan our eyes and be like, oh, like here's what you want to look at today. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to get nuts, but I feel like that's not far away. I mean, I, I read a really interesting take about this whole concept of single use apps becoming the new, the new sort of frontier of like, well, yeah, or just like think about it this, right? So uh, I'm, I have a, an After Effects project and I need to like perform some task on it, right? Like I need to go to all these layers named a certain thing and like change the values of this, that, you know, whatever, take a hyper specific use case. Yeah. Um, you know, GPT four is pretty good at writing code. So right. rather than going, mm. rather than sitting down and trying to write something myself or find another person who has written a tool to achieve something similar, I just ask for, I need this one specific task done. It spits out a bunch of code. I run the code done. You never touch that yeah. up again until you need it. So like the idea of like, rather than having all of these, you know, an app store where you're like, people are developing hey wow. we're making a suite of tools like imagine you know just how granular you can get with like right. i'm a houdini artist and i need vex code to do this one thing and i don't feel like right you know like just and and i guess it is or oh, these man. are specific to like motion design or yeah, know, yeah. Art. imagine like if, if you can extend yeah. it to like google google sheets like let's say you're a data analyst and you've got a google sheet and you need to like run a bunch cool. of processes on the data like just yeah there, you know you can we're getting to I'm, the point now where you can you can write a lot of code with uh, I, large language models imagine if your like talent became not how you are at cinema 4d or any program but how good you are at working your own program that you made that works for you yeah <laughs> like yeah. it's like i'm developing a program through chat GPT that I've been developing for three or something that's grown with me. And I've developed my own language to work with it's chat like GPT a, to spit out my own results, you know, what, what's the, so nobody else could work in the way you do with your own program, but your programs yeah. are just only stylized for yourself. Like, right. I want all the effects in premiere. I want all the effects in Houdini, you know, and you're kind of like collaborating these, it's like AI yeah. and nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you made it, you use it only for what you're interested in. I mean, it's but, but actually, but actually there's some overarching, like, you know, competing companies that are making all those, those sort of modular AI things. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, geez, it could, it actually could inspire a lot of jobs rather than take them away.
That's what you a know? lot of people. I mean, are in theory, saying, the, you know? but I mean, in theory, like I, I think the thing that the only argument, counter argument I can think of to that is that if every if everyone can do it, I mean, it's just it's like simple. It's the economics of capitalism. It's like yeah, it everything, is based, everything is based on scarcity, right? Like you know, things right. are valuable because they're scarce. You have a skill set that other people can't do. You make a product that other people can't make. If we just if we democratize, and that term gets thrown around a lot with AI, if we democratize all information and anyone can code and anyone can write, I want to make an animation and it spits out an animation, then like the question I, the only question I have left is then how are any of us, I mean, we don't have very good social security nets in this country. So the question is how do people like make money and, no, get, yeah. you know, and get healthcare and retire, you know, if, if, yeah, if it's as simple as just like throwing stuff into a text box and, you know, you get a result. It just makes is you know are we all going to be is that is that the future of work for everyone well it could yeah be. if there was a mass devaluing of it that's that's which is likely if you know that happens i mean yeah we'd all have to find different kind of channels within or yeah maybe it like does a mass extinction of jobs which is is really scary we all just that's become hard. plumbers and electricians you know? <laughs> like until that until we have robots that can do that i mean but I, I still do believe in the human aspect of it. Like, you know, again, I've said the chess analogy. That was actually on the, the Sam Harris uh, interview. Uh, mm. The guy talking about uh, it was with. Um, oh, you listened to it. OK. Yeah, cool. yeah it was with uh, cool. Sam Altman. Um, I believe his name is the CEO of OpenAI. But, you know, he was just saying, like, technically, we love watching people play chess. We love watching grandmasters. Theoretically, two computers playing chess against each other would be a much better game, but we want the human element. Right. Like, oh, we right. need it. And so I feel like, if as an artist, maybe it's like, hey, I went to Antarctica for three weeks and this is the artwork I designed, you know, right. and using AI. Yeah. And people are going to be like, oh, I really love how this artist is going to different countries and saying, like what he's passionate about and what he's feeling and using like AI to mix it in, you know, I don't, I feel right. like the, the art field might change as a whole, but I, I feel like that human element is something we're always going to strive for. And that's the connectivity. And, you know, there's even things like, you know, if you, I think it's literally like a baby, if you, you can give a baby all the nutrients it wants, all of the care, everything it needs, change its diaper. But it's like after a few months, it literally, it's kind of like a scary <laughs> success rate of it living without actual human connection. Oh, and right. Human yeah. Talk to and it's like, so I think it's just, you know, vital to our, our essence. Existence, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think as like long as we live, we're always going to look for that human element inside yeah. of pieces well it points back to um you know like even more uh stress on like you gotta in in this specific industry right like which many listeners are interested about like motion and everything if you bring a design eye to it you can do that you can design a lot of different things it, like i i have this note here that says like design your life you know because if you don't someone else will do it for you and it's like i wrote like little quotes down all the time it's like yeah, like it's sort of like not choosing is 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 letting someone else choose for you, right? So like, I feel like freelance is essentially the where you was the beginning of me designing my life. How many days a year do I want to work? How many, et cetera? Like, how, you know, how what do I need to get each year to feel like this is worth it over going full time? You right. know, and some of these things like, you know, maybe in a different 
time, like a little bit forward, AI can help me sort that out even, you know, like if it dealt with, uh, I don't know, like, like telling me what clients kind of match the work I do on a regular basis, like, which is feeding that to me. I never have time to look for that. You know, I just, somebody, the word of mouth is, is, is swirling now, which I'm so thankful for. And somebody emails me and I'm like, yeah, but I, I only till recently was I like, Hey, uh, what do you want me to do? Like before we said, before I say yes, like what's the project going to be just to make sure like, cause sometimes if you don't do that, I was finding they'd be like, great, here's a, it's a 2d cell animation, like frame by frame character is going to jump. I'm like, well, I don't really do. I can do that. But I, I just don't, don't love to, doing yeah. that. Yeah. So like yeah. you just see my portfolio. It's like, all through, Oh, we didn't even look, but somebody gave you our name. <laughs> so like, yeah, it happens a lot. So like, you know, maybe, rather than like you waiting for them to come to you, like something serving you, like this is the exact place that all of your work, like culminating together matches. You should go, you should apply to here or something. Right. Like that. I don't and, know. And I mean, and you know, that the, all of that takes, like, I agree with you hundred percent because all, you know, right now we're still in the world. I mean, we do have like things like auto G GPT or baby e AGI, which are sort of these yeah. autonomous AI things, which I have installed locally and ran it. And it's like, it is pretty wild. It's, it's very, very, crazy but um for the most part right all of ai exists right now as a it, it requires human input like you have to mm -hmm. at least you know you have to at the at the bare minimum you have to come up with a prompt you have to come up with an idea of what you want this thing to do for you you know yeah and so um exactly to your point about like designing your life i mean that it still takes you curating your work and curating your style and your aesthetic and finding the things you like and then feeding that into you know maybe it's a good maybe it's a good use case of hey i'm looking for new clients this is the style of work i do these are the people i've worked with in the past where are some good starting points you know that's a yeah. that's a very utility like purpose for ai um, but again it just it all it all sort of hinges on you having a vision for yourself or a voice of your own and you know honing that yeah i want to ask too uh, and Lastly, I've been, had a random thought, but I was thinking it's fun with real because I was always thinking, how do you do animations? I kind of feel like even though animations have been getting so good with um, with AI, you know, there's been finally it's we're kind of getting in the the stop motion kind of jitters that you see in all these AI animations that's going away, you know. Lyle Hintz dropped some super smooth, clean animations with particle effects. It was kind of crazy. Um, wow. But the one thing is it still had kind of that painterly look and a lot of yeah. distortion. But I was thinking, you know, it'd be interesting is if you had uh, automated character creator, maybe took like metahumans and then were somehow to use like real time 3D engine and then put AI into that, and then mm -hmm. it actually was developing its own camera angles, its own actual actors, and it could randomly generate, do mouth movements, and now you're getting a real 3D animation. Anyway, that was just yeah. something I thought about this week, and I was like, oh, that, cool. that, that you could actually pull off some really cool 3D animation with AI. I, I think there's something that, uh like the last person I saw messing with it was Aaron Rabanowitz, who used to like kind of do, he was like heavily involved with all the Red Giant stuff. I mean, I think he still is, but he, he's yeah, also been on yeah, Red Gorilla Gorilla recently. And uh, yeah. he was at, I think he was at the same um, MoGraph meetup that I met you at, uh, yeah. Michael. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was 
I forget what the name of this program is, but you, you like shoot yourself. Like, yeah, what he was walking on rocks, like down at the beach or whatever. And he replaced it with this robot and it like does all the things It take, it took him out of the plate. It like blurred Dream the background. Studio, Dream Studio maybe? Yeah, yeah maybe Dream yeah. Studio. Yeah. yeah just, and I then... actually just got the, uh, I just got the beta email. I had applied oh. to like open them. Yeah. I haven't, oh, I haven't messed with it yet, That's... but I saw that and was like, I guess I'll just, I think, yeah, it's like, it's like rotoscope auto rigging dropping a yeah. 3d model yeah that is That's like right. so i mean you know he said he said like uh i forget what he says at the end of the the thing exactly but it was basically like you know yeah of course i can see the blur a little bit behind me but i it, this was running this i set a couple things up for like 10 minutes and then i went and had dinner with my family you know it's like mm -hmm. it's kind of like working smarter not harder thing this could fall into that you know it doesn't have to be all doomsday i mean I've heard like simple things of like, uh, you know, the loom came out and, and weavers were like, we're done. It's over And now. Like, I mean, there's a whole clothing industry, right? Like, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily all done in uh, America or by hand anymore, which is, you know, a different, different issue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. same kind of, same kind of thing, you know, like maybe, maybe this could inspire industry rather than mean the end of it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like who, like if you've got a painting from somebody, do you want it hand painted or do you want it just painted by a robot? You know what I yeah, mean? Like, that's true. Especially if it was a really good artist. If it, I heard it was a robot, I'd be like, I don't care. But well, if it was I mean, like that's, yeah, we already kind of we already kind of have that with fine art, right? Like you know, buying a print versus buying a a, a, yeah. a run of a series where the artist is actually you know putting it together. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, I feel I, that it's a great it's a, it's a gonna be so interesting in the future i'm very excited to see how it all goes um yeah. so i want to move on to um to and this might be kind of the last part because metaverse and vr ar it's kind of all together now like it's kind of finally all coming into this xr thing where it's all one in the same a little bit um but getting into the vr and ar world um what is your experience with it and what are your thoughts on the field yeah so i haven't done a ton um personally but i well you know i mean i've done sorry siren whipping by <laughs> i'm definitely in new york yeah. <laughs> uh so I, I did one job a while back like right when i started my freelance career i was still like trying to get names and everything um and uh it was for a health company uh fcb health they, they have an office down like in uh like madison in 33rd or, or maybe further over i forget exactly what it was and uh they were doing something where actually yeah like when we finished it it was like um it was like uh chromosomes like splitting and when we finished it we were supposed to like every time every day at the end of every day we would do our dailies like all in vr sets together and like kind of look wow. at it. so i was like i was like oh this is happening like this is ever it just happened to be that they do a lot of that then i didn't really touch a lot of it for a very long time um mm. and but then uh with ar i have done things that kind of like ultimately went there but i wasn't responsible for exporting them out with like uh what's the thing you can do in Maxon right now that you can take something through to that? Um, I forget. There's like that. There's oh, like a um, is it like the third party app? That's like an extent, like, yeah. Tracking. I forget what the other, I think you can like take a full 
thing out into AR and VR. Like there's a, you can put in like a Chrome browser or something and it recognizes mm. it as a, then you can like have it on your, you know, you put your phone up and it like comes out directly. But that was the, uh, that was the extent of what, where that project was going. But like, it was so hard to sort of capture the, like how it looked in the end that I didn't put it on my portfolio. Cause I was just like, I don't, you know, I didn't get like a video of that or anything. And it, it didn't look mm. so great that I was like jonesing about it. But I will say one thing I came across recently, which I use these all the time. I use the Quixel models in cinema all the time. I think mm. like, and then the way they go into uh, uh, Unreal and the way that you just need like the Unreal thing. And then, I mean, you're not, you can't really technically use them in cinema anymore, but so I have the version where you, you know, you still have to pay the monthly thing, but, but Unreal is creating, Unreal and Quixel is an epic are creating a thing that's called Fab. Have you guys seen that? No. That's Go to the, yeah, fab.com is like the, there was a keynote about this. It's, it's all the Quixel um, assets. It's all the Unreal market assets. It's all of Epic. It's a community that they're building. That's like the next version of it, right? This is coming like right. soon. And if you scroll down on that page, like to, um, yeah, where there's like the little robot, a creator first economy, uh, as a fab seller, you earn 88% revenue right. share. So you can build a real business. Basically, if you put something up on this market and people start buying it, you get 88% of the revenue. The rest is what goes like that they is do. wild. I don't think I've ever heard of that high of a revenue back to the creator. No, it's nuts. And also, like, I mean, this is where I use Quixel assets all the time. This yeah. is like where they're going to go, but right. they're going to be sitting in a marketplace with like, essentially like a, you know, like the standard, there's like a standard material thing. There's like, they, they want to do a standard, you download, you buy this model, it comes with all the, the materials and you're like, you got it. You got it for every engine and every place you want to put it and everything. That is wild. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy. So Unreal, Sketchfab, Quixel, and ArtStation. Yeah, was, right. Sketchfab is in there. And right, ArtStation in there is crazy yeah. to me too. I'm like, so like, there's not going to have to be this. They're trying to curate all these like little places where things are happening. They're putting this big place. And which honestly, thank God, because it, I feel like it's, that's the barrier right now is like, there are, I, you know, I've got like my 16 bookmarks of different places I'm going. Yeah. It's like, really, it's all one and the same, but it's just different marketplaces that haven't been sort of unified. Yeah. Like I'm scrolling, I scrolled down to the one section to um, content from top creators. I'm seeing all the logos of all the things, right? A lot of them are the ones that are like in the octane thing. If you, you know, you buy it and you get all the, I'm seeing, uh, uh, Kitbash and seeing yeah. like Braun and super games and like, uh, you know, all these places. And that's, that's just like, what's going to be there at the start. I mean, this is going to be, it's gonna I don't be know. Massive. Yeah. It's nuts. It's I feel be like this will be the marketplace. Thing. Yeah. So people are looking for ways to make money. Um, and here's a company who's willing to give you 88% of anything you sell. Like this, this could be a way. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You can sculpt this shit in VR and, and not only, not only that, it's like kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, you've got your hard drive full of stuff that you haven't done anything with, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like if you, I mean, you know, this gives you a reason to like get into all the tools that are like, right. If you have max on one now you have ZBrush, right? So right. like, Oh, I want to get into that and start sculpting. 
on the side, I was, uh, what was cool about this was like, if you have this kind of real passion for modeling, before I really chose motion graphics, I was always like dabbling, like, am I going to be a, a Pixar? Like, <laughs> you know, everybody has, we all have that moment where like, and then you find out what happens at Pixar. You like work on one scene for like 50 years and you just like, you know, you, you made an eyeball, like quickly switch to the left, you know, it, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm being like, told, you know, if anybody from, <laughs> I'm being no, totally no, no, like, it's, it's, ni it's like very niche down. Like, yeah. like not only, not only in terms of like, what you're doing but also like the scope of what you're doing like you are the you are the rigor you know rigging animation for this five second shot and that's what that's for you know yeah so imagine like you love sculpting but you just know like you feel the same way you're like ah, oh, there's just no market for like what am i going to do sell this to turbo squid or something turbo mm -hmm. squid i don't know what you you know i don't know what the percentage is there but 88 seems crazy to me I yeah know. all i'll say is like i've never taken the deep dive um and i feel like i've never have because every time i would go to a marketplace and be like all right if i actually started investing some resources into this like what's the potential return and i don't think it was ever 88 percent. you know yeah and the fact that it's a new marketplace means that presumably if you're like one of the early adopters and contributors that you you know you probably have a better chance i would say all the other ones that you just mentioned are so Mm -hmm. um sort of overwhelmed with content right now that it's probably pretty hard to get started there yeah yeah I, I mean, like, I, yeah uh, i was gonna say i know like you know again fortnite creator is going to bring in probably not even joking hundreds of thousands of new unreal users and i would not be surprised if other games started developing into having their own creators inside of unreal engine and yeah. we're, it's just going to become hundreds of thousands of people using this marketplace, trying to make their levels cooler than the next. Because also the Fortnite creator, I think they pay like 80%. It was something crazy to anybody that buys assets um, on their levels. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, they're making a whole ecosystem. Which is I mean, I mean my, my nephew buys $20 skin packs for Valorant, like, like mm. nothing. Like he gets twenty dollars from one, you know, from Christmas or something. Like, or I mean, first thing I'm doing. Way more than that. Yeah, it's gone in like a day. Not really. He's pretty. He's pretty mature with it. But overall, he's willing to do it if it looks cool enough. Right. right? right. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, me too, kind of. Like I've definitely looked at some not in Valorant. Like I, I just watch him play it, and I'm like, you know, that's fun to watch. But I don't have the time for those kind of like competitive games to get good at them. Right. But there's games that I, I play, like some single player stuff, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, you know, if you get this deluxe pack, you get this extra skin, you know, like this extra thing. It just, it's like collectible. And I feel like they're creating a market of collectibles, but like very usable collectibles. So, like, mm -hmm. I mean, you could be putting up the assets that become like the, the trending, tools that the create the metaverse. You know? yeah, yeah, the trending yeah. skins yeah. in the metaverse or something. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't look all terrible the way uh <laughs> I, I would love that like you know i honestly would love if all of these extra bonuses you picked you could just put them in your metaverse you know yeah. and also how cool the actual playstation trophy store if you could pick any of those out and put them in your metaverse like it's an nft and like that's that... right i beat sephiroth you know? yeah yeah <laughs> that I might be something they do like imagine center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean imagine if they make uh sh like surely they're gonna do that like yeah fortnite for sure i think is already part of this because epic games right so like um what else is on there like uh 
satisfactory you guys ever played that it's like you build all the you're like on an alien world and you build all these things people yeah. being able to build assets for their favorite games that seems very likely you know yeah. i mean this is like an endless marketplace basically yeah. and i feel like yeah. these guys are you know creating it but not with them it's a, essentially a monopoly but not like a monopoly mindset they're like well but we're giving you 88 percent of the profit so like right. all of a sudden they've created right. how many jobs you know yeah it's kind Make of coming it back because it felt like meta they said that exact same thing but everybody was like now screw you meta you and yeah. you ruined it all like you ruined yeah, you all the fun kind of we were thinking like <laughs> you're totally gonna monopolize this you're, you yeah. know your avatars suck you know right um but I, I'm very curious as to seeing where the whole metaverse goes and, and what that happens. I mean, I think it's kind of taken a little bit of a plateau, at least when it comes to hype. But I think yeah. the development side is very much kicking. And I think blockchain as well is very much kicking. And I think it's all going to kind of, you know, they kind of all spread out, but they're all going to kind of come back in together. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask one last question, just because, yeah. I, you know, especially... The, with Apple's announcements coming up, it's an exciting time. But, you know, you did mention that you had experience with VR and you sounded very excited when you talked about it. And then you said, oh, but that was just one project. <laughs> what was kind of, can you just elaborate a little bit on that project? And like, yeah, if all that excitement um, that you had where you might sure. see that maybe coming in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was like uh, it was like some of those NAB presentations that we saw that were like um, there was one at New York and there was one this year where the, these people that are using like the volume measure and nose tools and, and vertex maps now to do really incredible like biological, uh, you know, pr like viz inside blood cells and like all these things. It was a version of that, but it was down to like the chromosome level, and it was uh, it was going to go to like a like I think it was supposed to be a tool that would go to like a doctor's office. Which I'm like, what doctor's going to have sitting VR at the time? I mean, even now, what doctor's going to have like VR sitting around? But it was it was kind of like it was pharma money, right? So they they just have like silly money and and like mm -hmm. silly ideas sometimes. I like not a lot of concept, but just more like because they can afford it and could, you know. So mm -hmm. I think it was like supposed to look so interesting because doctors see like a thousands of these, you know, you've got to get our new product because like blah blah blah. This was a visualization of what it's literally doing to like the chromosomes or something. Right. Um but it was like so i mean there were no there were no volume measure tools there was nothing vertex map you know uh per, like parametric or anything like that there was it was just kind of bare bones uh hand key animation of a thing and not even a great use of the vr space i think <laughs> you were kind of like surrounded by these chromosomes and like if you were that small i think there would be like this I wanted to like kind of build this wall out of like these really far away blurry things, like almost like spore or something, like was what I was kind of getting into. And they were just like, that was, I was, they were just like, that's that's too much. Like we can't do that. <laughs> okay. Well, so. I just I wanted to say one last thing because we are kind of getting uh, having a which I love. What well, I'm excited to talk yeah. more with you on later dates. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the last cool thing I want to say, and then I'll let you guys have the floor. But this is the last thing I wanted to mention, but. At NAB, this was the coolest thing I saw, and I wanted to save this for the future segment. 
But oh, yeah. Sony has a 3D monitor. Now, I know, whoa, 3D. Mm. You saw that and Avatar 1, buddy. That was 12 years ago. No, you do not need glasses. Like, no glasses. And it's the size of just a regular monitor screen. And it is perfectly HD. And it's also, the cool thing about it is with Avatar, no matter where you are in the theater, the, the 3D model kind of sits in the same spot. This is, it moves around with you as if though your head is a camera. So, oh, wow. yeah, so if you're looking at a model and then you literally crowd down and bend down, you're now looking lower, like up at the model. Like the whole oh, wow. entire camera and screen moves based on where you are in the room and where your head is. It is Damn. so trippy. It's hard to explain. And nothing, you know, I've kind of heard people talk about it. But it doesn't do it justice until you actually see it. I mean, it was so trippy. It, it was very cool. One of the, I'm like, this is going to be the future for sculpting. If you could literally be sculpting and move your head, oh, like that's... left and right. Oh my god, the yeah. amount of time you would save is ridiculous. It's, I definitely see it being like a big thing. You know, I didn't see that one. I saw the like. Uh... Wait, were these like the small slanted ones, or like you're talking about a big full monitor? These are big. They had a, uh, oh, they had a, uh, like, it was at least 17, 20 it's called, inch. It's called the uh, the ELF SR2 spatial reality display. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 27 yeah. inch uh, 4K LCD panel. Uh, it's got eye sensing light field display for eye tracking, so it follows your gaze from a wide range of viewing angles. Um, yeah, it looks pretty wild. I do think it's one of those things though. That, like I'm looking at even all these like pressers and like press photos and <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, it, it looks cool, but like I don't think I get it, it until you until you. It looks like experience. vaporware when you see it on yeah. here, you know? Because they're, like, like, oh, they're all like they're all like mock-ups. There's a T-Rex and... popping out of a yeah. monitor yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. Though. Too. Yeah, no, that's but I, I I wanted to mention that because that was definitely something mentioned worthy uh, when I saw it. I've been thinking about it all week. I think I didn't see the Sony one because I saw one at a different booth and it was like they were like playing these clips of uh, like geishas walking around. It was really weird. It was like maybe it was like from an old movie or something, but it was turning that scene into a 3D uh, thing. Yeah. But like it looked like it was. I don't know. It just and it it didn't have that that clarity that you were talking about, Michael. Like when you yeah. looked at the edges of it, it kind of like fluttered. You know, like it wasn't clean. So uh, I well, it's expected to have a very cool MSRP of five thousand dollars. So yeah, that that's the so there's two the fifteen inch one and then that's the uh, yeah the twenty seven inches. But but they you know they have the I think they said they're dropping it next month. Uh, the large one the 27 but i think they said they're gonna drop i don't know if i should say this but whatever hot tip uh, <laughs> they're gonna drop the 15 to the 16 inch one down to just two thousand dollars so yeah oh, um, that's pretty wild for a cool device but absolutely anyway yeah. i'll let you guys have that was my little bit uh andrew do you have any other questions or... no no i was gonna just open up the floor to andrew and see you know if there's anything uh you want listeners to keep an eye out for any projects you have coming up anything uh anything in the pipeline you want to keep an eye out for oh yeah i appreciate that yeah actually i do i was trying to get one done for this this call too um but it's i went in like full ham on all the um uh, all the the cinema 4d cloth stuff 
Nice. Playing around and cut together something, a little piece of music. I just like go on a premium beats or, you know, whatever's, you know, I don't want to deal with any copyright stuff because it's pretty good now that they can scrub it right away. So I just do that. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, um, just, just got it all. I have it all kind of animated out, synced to audio in, in Premiere and then like kind of been just rendering and, and like texturing one scene at a time. Nice. And I was gone really aggressively with it before NAB. And then I was just like, it, it's not going to happen. I still have like five scenes left and it render time alone, you know, it's like kind of let him go at night. So that was my personal project. And I was kind of just going all in on one rather than like turning each one of them into their own thing. I might do that after. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be coming up kind of like in the next week or two. And nice. uh, yeah, it should be good. I, I tried to do some interesting stuff with it um, and just have fun. But those tools are so fun to play with. Um, when they get that level of, you know, interaction with cloth and things, I'm sure it exists, but like, you know, on a version that we can do in Unreal, then yeah, then I'll leave all, if that becomes real time, we're good. But right now it's like, <laughs> That's so fun and useful in cinema. Like, you know, oh, I'm yeah. using that for those kind of projects. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, That's we will awesome. be sure to uh, to link it out once it's ready. Um, looking forward to seeing Thanks. it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just cool. also wanted to say thank you for uh, spending some time with us. A really awesome conversation. Um, always appreciate, yeah. you, you know, artists taking time to chat with us. And um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Yeah, no, I had a blast. Thanks, guys, for, for all the questions and letting me come and hang. Yeah.